0: Welcome back. Episode 2, Season 1. So, I figure a good way to start this out is to go over E3. Because every gamer knows what E3 is. Despite the recent issues coming along with it, um, Sony backing out of E3 2019, that was kind of a big issue. There's been a lot of back and forth, uh, the competitiveness, and now these... These major obviously the you know, Microsoft and Sony, you know, these major console uh, developers are are starting to see the importance of you know playing their cards close to their chest. You know, so for a while it was, you know, the original Xbox came out and then you know that was starting to compete with PlayStation as kind of like top-tier console gaming, and then you had the PS2, uh, well the Xbox and PS2 were actually the same time, so PS1 sixty-four. Um, so the Xbox original, and then the PS2, and then you had the PS3, and then you had the Xbox 360, and uh, the various, you know, the various versions of, of those consoles that came out. Then you had the PS4, and then the Xbox One, um, and then the PS4 Pro came out. That was kind of, I ain't gonna lie. Now, I might be biased. I was, I've always been more of an Xbox. You know, fan myself. I did have a original PlayStation and a PS2, but it wasn't hard for me to you know transition over to Xbox. Obviously, um, that being said, um, you had the Xbox One, who came out, and then now the and then you had the Xbox. Uh, the One S came out, and you know then then kind of like subtly, um, randomly uh, during one of the holiday seasons, you had the PS4 Pro uh, came out, and to answer that, a year later comes out the Xbox One X, which um, currently, as it stands right now, is the uh, current, like, the top-end best console you can get. For now, of course, you know, PlayStation is developing the PS5, but there's, it's hard to find information on it. You can read articles here and there and speculations, but they weren't at E3 2019, so we don't know what they're doing. We can only assume it's, it's going to be mind-blowing and amazing. But there's only so much that we can speculate on that. So that being said, E3 2019 is over. Now the dates for E3 2020 are coming up and uh, the dates for those uh, June 9th uh, through 11th of next year, obviously, of 2020. Uh, so those dates have already been announced, uh, obviously subject to change but those are what we've been given so far. and obviously that's about the time frame that always falls under um... it'd be nice to try to go to it next year I will now definitely look into that and that'd be really cool maybe make it a vlog or something like that and turn it into this whole thing we'll see where this goes obviously the more followers I have um... you know the more supporters I have uh... feel free to donate to the channel and things like that it'll only go towards just Improving the channel, improving this podcast and making it so much better and being able to get some of that more high-end content that's just gonna, you know, that's just gonna make this better um, in the end. Uh, that being said, let's, uh, I wanted to go over kind of a recap of E3 2019. So, first and foremost, as mentioned before, Sony wasn't there. So we don't know what's going on with the PlayStation. We don't know what to expect from the PS5 that's, that's coming up. We know what's coming up but that's all we got on it. So we'll cover what we have there. Some of the big players there, obviously Xbox, Microsoft. Um, huge, huge announcements from them and big titles coming out from them. Um, electronics arts, electronic Arts was there, so EA was there. Uh, there was a, a few things from them. Uh, honestly, they're really on a lot of people's shit list right now with the, the microtransactions. When you think EA nowadays, you think microtransactions and that's that's been an issue. Uh, Bethesda was there. Uh, a lot of hype around that, they had a couple games coming through there, and some games that even though we're excited for and they're coming up, no information was put out there. Uh, Ubisoft, Ubisoft was there and they have a couple titles that are coming that are really exciting. CD Projekt Red has, co- has a couple titles coming out that I'm really excited for, I'm really looking forward to. Um, Square Enix of course, I mean iconic everywhere you go, the Final Fantasy series, and they have some really big announcements. Uh, that came out this year because of the, you know, for the Final Fantasy. Uh, a lot of the remakes are kind of coming out and some updates there they threw out there. And of course, Nintendo. Nintendo will always be there. Nintendo will always be the godfather, will always be the one who saved video games. So, and if you don't know the story about that one, you know, we'll cover that in another episode. I mean, well, well, I'll definitely probably bring up another kind of the history of video games and how Atari almost destroyed what. We have today, and what it could have been, and what video gaming is today. And if it wasn't for Nintendo, we wouldn't have the world that is video games as it stands now. So that being said, uh, that being said, um, stay you know stay here. We're gonna go for a quick message, a uh, uh, quick sponsor here, and once uh, once we get back, we'll go right into some of the uh, some of the details and content that we had from uh, from EA uh, from the. Uh, um, From E3 2019. Once again, this is K9 Party. Thanks for joining here. I'll be right back. Hey everyone, K9 here. So you're probably wondering how I'm able to make these podcasts so easily. Well, with Anchor. It's an app right on my phone and it's the easiest way to make any podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need with all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast so they sound unique and professional. The best part is it's all free. Once you're done, they'll distribute your podcast for you among the biggest streaming networks such as Spotify, Google, and iTunes, and many others. And you can even make a little cash with no minimum listenership. Just download Anchor from the App Store or go to anchor.fm to get started. Have fun and thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right. So obviously this one's a little late, but I just started the podcast, so cut me some slack. Uh, E3 was way back in June. And we are in the middle of August, so about two months later. Starting off right off the bat, one of the biggest things, and this was brought up to me by a buddy of mine that I was playing with uh, back in May, um, and of course this was before E3 and Event that, and it was uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, a lot of speculation, I had a lot of hopes, I have a lot of what I want the game to be. Um, if you know, from way back in the day, playing on the original Xbox, we had. Knights of the Old Republic, and Knights of the Old Republic 2, which were amazing, awesome RPG titles. Um, not necessarily super action-packed, it was kind of a first concept when it came to this whole hybrid, free-flowing, um, you know, like, combat system that was still turn-based, and but the story and then just the content in it alone was just, it was amazing, and the exploration, I mean, I love Star Wars games as it is um unfortunately there's been some titles coming out recently that have not been necessarily noteworthy that being said um so they are looking at november 15th 2019 so later on this year release date just before the holidays perfect timing it's going to be uh the developer it's gonna it's so it's developed by respawn entertainment uh they've done some pretty good this some pretty good titles here and they're nothing too over the top, but definitely good, solid titles. As far as the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Orders is, you know, is concerned, their inspiration they're going from is uh, you know uh, Metroid, Legend of Zelda, Wind Waker, uh, Dark Souls, and Bloodborne, so a lot of really big, action-packed titles we're hoping for. What I'm hoping this game is gonna be more along the lines of is kind of the more fast-paced combat system of, like, The Force Unleashed, you know, when that came out and but still have like the good RPG storyline based you know character development that you had with the Knights of the Old Republic games that's what I'm really hoping for because as much as I love Kodor it it, obviously the action wasn't there you know it was more story than it was action and of course the Force Unleashed Force Unleashed gosh I can't even talk the Force Unleashed was a lot more action-packed I mean it had a good backstory, it had, you know, it had it had the Sith, it, it was it was amazing. I just I didn't but I couldn't really get into it myself. It was it was fun, but it's hard to follow the story when the action is more impressive than the story itself was. You know? Um They're saving grace was they saved themselves with the fact that they tied it into a story that we already all knew, right? Um One of the big things is, so uh, the the game director, uh, Stig Asmussen said, uh, you know, uh, it's, they're looking for, you know, they're looking for a lot of that, I mean, and then he's the one who was kind of presenting the game, and of course they released a trailer up there as well, Um, and it's kind of a gameplay trailer of the first, you know, first few minutes of the game quick cutscene. It kind of scrolls through the menus and kind of see some of the setup of it. And uh, if you do have, if you do look up and, and look at the gameplay video, uh, which you can you can YouTube it, Sure, you can look it up, uh, Google it, um, you notice actually one of the coolest things I noticed right away was uh, they actually in, uh, implemented Forrest Whitaker into the game itself. Um, I looked really close, but I couldn't see if they actually made his eye a thing in the game. Um, it was kind of a quick little cutscene uh, to kind of, you know, the basis of either what that mission was or maybe even the start of the game itself who knows um but yeah go ahead and look up the gamer for the gameplay video on youtube for that one it's pretty exciting um i'm hoping the game is a lot more than what the gameplay trailer uh put in there the i guess i just missed the whole kind of team base almost almost like rpg you know, where you have a few characters and you roll around with, and you 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 gear them up and all that fun stuff. I'm I'm really hoping that it, it has more of an in-depth RPG storyline, with but still having the action that it's it's kind of promising. Um, so moving on, uh, Cyberpunk twenty Cyberpunk, sorry, twenty seventy seven release date is looking at April two thousand twenty. So not not a lot of actual visual like aspects put out on this one. But the one thing, the big thing about this game, is the god himself, the man who is breaking the internet without even lifting a finger, Keanu Reeves. Ace, I mean, aside from all the different political BS going on, all the crazy stuff happening in the world uh, with the celebrities in Hollywood, all the, the the Me Too movements, all this all these accusations running around. Who knows what to think? The one thing that the internet is 110% sure of is Keanu Reeves will never fall from being an angel. So that being said, he is blessing the cover of this game, and he is going to be a big ass with this game, obviously. Now the thing is. Um, I don't imagine you will be playing Keanu Reeves's character, or at least not for long. Maybe as part of a tutorial before you actually go into the character customization yourself. But that was mentioned to be one of the biggest aspects, one of the key aspects of the game was the in-depth character customization, and uh, as well as the non-linear storyline. So, um, that's... Also, something that they're looking forward to as well—a branching storyline, to where you can you can take lefts and rights here and there. Um, I'd assume most likely come to the same main ultimate goal, but you know, hopefully the side missions won't feel so forced or won't feel so. You don't want them to feel forced, but you don't want them to feel arbitrary. It's a very—it's a very—you want to follow that middle road. It's a very fine line when it comes to, especially games like this. Um, so that, that's, I mean, of course, that's a, that's a CD Projekt Red one coming out April of uh, April of next year. Definitely keep an eye on that one. And it's, it, it, they're putting a lot of stock into this, putting a lot of effort into this because The Witcher franchise is over. You know, Witcher 3 was 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 great. It definitely set the standard for what RPGs should be, right, and the content of what they should be, and living around, like, the character itself and, and, and all that. And it's it's something to definitely look forward to, to see where the cyberpunk is going to go. Um, especially since The Witcher was a completely different setting different timeline I mean everything so hopefully Cyberpunk will come out promising and I think the fact that they have Keanu Reeves on the cover alone will will probably be a a big selling factor but let's uh I mean also we'll have to wait and see until spring of next year to see where that comes okay so moving on here um, the Nintendo switch so they hit a huge home run with breath of the wild it was it was better than anybody expected and it was a nice breath of fresh air especially since I mean we've had a few good titles Skyward sword was great uh, people even love Wind Waker between the multiple different timelines and the way they split with the you know with the with the Zelda series uh, Legend of Zelda series we had breath of the wild and now, They've announced um, at E3 that they're in the making, uh, they're developing a sequel to the Breath of the Wild. Um, now I don't know if it's expected to be a sequel, or if that's more of a speculation, saying it's going to be a sequel. Um, because keep in mind, Zelda, the Zelda you know series follows three different timelines that started way back and split up way back in the days when it was on the original, you know, NES and, and Super Nintendo and all that. So it's kind of something you have to take with a grain of salt. They, people are saying or they're, they're announcing it as a sequel to Breath of the Wild, however, um, coming off of the hype and the success of the Breath of the Wild, it's, it's you know, it's understandable that they would, they would make it tie into that some in some way, shape or form. Looking at the game, uh, at the uh, you know the trailer for it, the teaser for it, it's definitely darker and gloomier. Um, and if you've kind of seen the way the series has developed over the years, there's basically three major timelines, um, and two there's two extremes and there's one kind of in the middle. One of the darker extremes is where you know Ganon actually wasn't defeated and you know Link wasn't able to defeat him, so the world kind of takes a more dark and and evil turn and things kind of go downhill from there. And Link's just kind of like. Barely struggling and holding on, um, and then you have the extre- the positive extreme, where obviously Link was able to defeat Ganon and save the kingdom, and so on and so forth. But there's still that, there's still that kind of lingering evil that he kind of like, he kind of chips away at over the series. You know, this one seems like it's more along the storyline where Ganon wasn't defeated, where Link failed to save the kingdom itself from Ganon. And that being said, and I come to the conclusion because. You know, looking at the trailer, it's it's darker, it's it's gloomier. Of course, I mean it's absolutely colorful, obviously, because that's just kind of how Nintendo does things. But it still has that dark, gloomy kind of feel to it. Um, although it's still, you know, the iconic Nintendo style. It, it I mean, it looks amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, the teaser trailer only shows a small glimpse of uh, like the atmospheric texturing, uh, and and that just that just looks absolutely stunning. Of course, it kind of has this you know where it kinda comes over the over the forest and you get see you know the way the the way the fog and stuff is setting it over this forest and whatnot and it just it just looks amazing. Um, uh, you can expect the you know the usual puzzle dungeons I'm sure uh, open world gameplay uh, but nothing major has been released uh but judging from the from the teaser and kind of what they include in the teaser trailer there from the little cutscene they show I'm willing to bet that there might be a return of Dark Link, and that's also why I kind of I think it's going more along the timeline of uh, of Ganon not being defeated, or the kingdom not being saved, because we have Dark Link coming back, and of course, um, that's that's kind of where I'm going from that one. Uh, moving on, there, Square Enix came uh, with three major uh, three major announcements. Well, more so, two major announcements. Um, obviously, they have the update coming out for Final Fantasy XIV. They're still working along with that one until, until that you know that cash cow's kind of ran itself out, and uh, so there was also some speculation along the forum boards, over Reddit, and all these other things that uh, finally, well, now they're remastering a lot of these titles. Uh, if you look on the on the marketplace, um, you can get you know Final Fantasy IX uh, remaster and. I don't know about remastered, maybe it was just kind of like coded differently to be able to talk with the Xbox better or more like up-to-date systems, but we have Final Fantasy 9 and you have, you know, you can also get the old Final Fantasy titles like, you know, the, the tactics and all that stuff, and you can even get them on, uh, on the, you know, Android the Android marketplace that I've seen as I'm, you know, being a bum and, uh, you know, being, you know all sulky and whatnot and just settling for gaming on my phone for now but, um, of course Final Fantasy 8 Has been one that they've been kind of thinking about. A lot of people, I mean, there's a few opinions out there where Final Fantasy VII should be kept where it's at, keep it in the past, keep it nostalgic, but Final Fantasy VIII could definitely use a remaster and a re release. So they did announce a Final Fantasy VIII remaster. Keep in mind it's a remaster, not a remake, so it'll just be, you know, they'll clean up some of the edges and, and code it better to talk with, you know, modern consoles, and then they'll release it and say, here, have fun. The big one, um, and being trying not to be too opinionated, I see why they're doing this. Um, but reading off of the the forum boards and Reddit and and you know the different pages and discussions about this, the Final Fantasy VII remake is it's exciting, but it's it's also it's also it's also kind of kind of scary in a way you don't want to do it wrong you don't want to ruin that nostalgic for it because there's games that didn't age well there's games where we're playing as a kid and we see and they were the best games of all time and we just have amazing memories and like the Knights of the Old Republic series like going back to that it's like looking back in my childhood playing those games you know quarter one and quarter two they were the most amazing games and you know of that I remember growing up but you try playing those games now And uh, they didn't age well. They re-released them out for, you know, even the Android and, of course, on the Xbox and the modern, you know, the modern systems. And they didn't age well. They were great for the time, but not really having much of a replayability value. You're right. So Final Fantasy VII, some of the big things coming out with that one. Just from the visual updates alone and how in-depth the game is, we're looking at two Blu-ray discs worth of content. Um, and that alone just kind of should give you kind of an idea of just how much we can expect from, you know, this remake, right? Um, it's going to, of course, you know, back then it was the turn-based, you know, with the teams, and you kind of just take turns in the, in the combat system, but they're updating that to the more hybrid real-time combat that we're seeing in, in, the, in the more modern, you know, Final Fantasy games, of course. Um, one of the big things that's come up on this, um, uh, of course, is... Area's death. I should say spoiler alert for those who haven't played the original Final Fantasy 7, but all I know, all I remember is that was a very that was a pretty emotional moment, surprisingly emotional, and even if um like even if you hadn't played the game itself. I remember the first time I saw it a buddy of mine was playing it and he was like, "Dude, you got to come check this out here. You just got to see this scene." He actually had had a separate save file set up to at the save point right before the scene. Where Sephiroth comes down and you know and, and, and kills Ares, and uh, and then she drops the uh, you know she drops the the uh, oh my gosh what's it called materia? She drops the materia into the water and everything, and I've never I've, I I at that point I hadn't played the game, I, I wasn't you know I wasn't I didn't know the storyline I didn't know the connection of the character or anything like that, but just the way the scene was done and uh, the, the musical score and just how everything was just set up it was still an emotional scene, regardless of whether you were tied to the characters or knew the game or not. So, playing through the game again, and watching the trailer and seeing how amazing it looks, it just, it's it's really mind-blowing, just the just the, the visuals of the game in the trailer that they, that they use. It's a pretty lengthy trailer, too. It's a pretty long trailer, and it really, it really takes you through a lot of the, it's just more so, it's just cutscenes, but it just looks, it looks amazing. So, looking forward to that, not looking forward to Ares' death again. But it's a necessary evil if we're gonna want Final Fantasy seven a proper remake to come out. Um, and of course, you have the return of Barrett and Cloud. And uh, Cloud as iconic. You see him in you, you see him in everything, whether you know who he is or not. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of us older gamers, we know who Cloud is. And it's just I'm looking forward to it. It's amazing. Um, another good thing is just watching the trailer. The voice acting is is done really. It seems like it's done really well. I'm looking forward to that of course it is uh it is it's so the voice acting is done originally in english uh, from what i could tell which kind of sucks because now it seems like if there is going to be a japanese version which properly there should be obviously um it looks like it might actually be japanese dubbed this time as opposed to you know other you know anime games adventure games that would come out of the uh, you come out of Japan and they would be dubbed with English. It's it's going to be interesting. We'll we'll see how that goes. All right. Next, a bigger title coming out, another Square Enix title, uh, Marvel Avengers. Um, Marvel Avengers A Day or Avengers Day um, was kind of the more the subtitle for it. Um, so the I'm not going to lie. Looking at it, the trailer, kind of reading up on it, they're definitely going off of the hype and the success of the uh, Spider-Man game. It came out, which was a PS4 exclusive, so I didn't get to play it. But it was a, a very successful game, a very well done game, and everybody loved it. It's actually, if I remember, um, seeing somehow it had actually broken the record for it broke a record for for sales or, or something like that. So it's 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 definitely one of the the best games of all time. At least at least sales in like a hero based game. I don't know if it's like sales and like and like overall sales for video games in general. I, I couldn't really tell you but at the very least that's exciting and it's, it's that's really cool to think about because it was a playstation exclusive so their demographic was just playstation owners and they didn't even tap into the xbox market or or any of the, you know any other the bigger ones um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it released on pc i feel like it probably would but i, I didn't really look too much into it but the fact that they're really tapping in at potentially like only half of the potential market and it still did so well. That's pretty exciting. So that being said, Square Enix is coming out with Marvel Avengers. Now the release date isn't until next year. However, um watching the trailer, the character art is very, very loosely based on the actors that played in the last twenty twenty-one films. Um, so you obviously you saw Black Widow, Captain America, and, you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark, and all that. Um, the personalities are still there. However, the voice acting—you know—the the actors who played the characters in the—you know—in the, you know, the the last four phases of the uh, MCU—they they didn't use their voices for this at all. So the new voice actors, um, Tony Stark sounds a lot like the—you know—Robert Downey Jr. But it's it's ever so slightly off. But the personalities are still there. They still took those personalities and implemented into the game and in the into the acting. Um, so no doubt, like I said, they're going off the hype from uh, the recent Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man game success. Uh, the trailer seems to show that you know yet again the general public, uh, news media, the government, they you know they don't seem to they don't seem to enjoy the team's efforts. Um, leading, which, you know, all, you know, invariably leads to, like, the virtual total destruction of any city or the world or another planet that they happen to be on. And, um, you know, something tells me at this point that it's going to be one of those stories where you know, the government doesn't like you, the media doesn't like you, and in turn the public doesn't like you, so now you have to, once again, prove to them that the Avengers are a necessary evil, or, or they're a necessity. Like, you know, it's, the, the drawbacks are worth the benefits of not having giant You know giant robotic cyborg flying serpents flying through your city and eating up all your people um so you know once again you're at the point where you gotta you gotta prove to them the avengers are necessary. um so i mean the graphics are so so uh compared to like some of the competitors titles it's i mean they're definitely modern you know modern day graphics But it's more so something you would see on like the original Xbox One or PS3 coming out. Let's just hope the gameplay saves it. Um, That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, I can kind of see how they would have kind of been more lax on the graphics, especially with their putting so much effort towards the other titles coming out. Um, But it's let's hope the gameplay can save it. Which I don't doubt that it. I don't. I have no doubts that the gameplay will save you know the visual, the lack of visuals in this game, mainly because of how they did with Spider-Man because. Once again, I mean, they, the, you know, the, the the gameplay was so great with Spider-Man that it just it just blew up, it, and it was just amazing. All right, so what else? Uh, Bethesda, so Bethesda was there, of course, and they have some exciting titles. Uh, of course, Bethesda has been fairly comfortably holding on to their, you know, the MMO market. Um, so they kind of tapped into that cash cow that for the longest time. Blizzard has been just having a stranglehold on that market with World of Warcraft. Um, and of course, now the biggest hype is World of Warcraft is getting, you know, they're going, they're, they're releasing the World of Warcraft Classic, which a lot of people are excited about because not, not many people really care for the direction that, you know, World of Warcraft has taken. Uh, that being said, Bethesda has ESO, which has had a pretty good uh, following. I've enjoyed ESO for off and on for years. Um, but I digress. Bethesda has come out, and although we expected them to talk about the uh, Elder Scrolls 6, they did not. So they actually actually left that out for the most part. Um, I mean, there's a few theories as to why they would do that, but it kind of makes sense. So instead, what they did was they brought Doom Eternal up to the stage, and uh, they talked about that. Now, of course... Now, Doom, Doom it, 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 it seemed lackluster, because everybody's excited about Elder Scrolls 6 coming out, right? Uh, that's the biggest thing that we're looking forward to with Bethesda. So, throwing Doom up there is kind of like, oh, okay, cool, you just, you, know, you had a time slot and you had to fill it, right? Um, you know, for us, you know, for us older gamers, of course, Doom holds a special place in our hearts. Even if the series is a meme at this point, um, you know, we still look forward to its, like, rotating existence as a more of a nostalgic centerpiece. Yeah, uh, you know, um, it definitely stood the test of time along with, you know, some of the other major titles from my childhood, like, you know, Blizzard's uh, Diablo. <clears throat> yeah. Regardless, Bethesda needs money for The Elder Scrolls 6, obviously. So, so why not push out another easy title to make, you know, make some easy cash and just kind of cash cash out on people's nostalgia? Their childhoods, if you will, because they're gonna buy it, obviously. But I mean, it's Doom, so what can you say about it, right? Um, It's uh, there's only so much they could do with it when it first released back in the '90s. You know, Um, they started coming out more modern titles and working with it. Even that movie came out that had Dwayne Johnson in it. But what can you expect from Doom? it's it's gonna be run of the mill. Uh, you can expect about uh, you know a lot of cool guns, a bunch of demonic sounds and howls, you know flashing lights and jump scares and the usual you know chaotic storyline that frankly is kind of hard to follow because really it's just like a race from beginning to finish and just kill these big you know these, these big giant demons as you're going through it and that's that is doom in a nutshell. Storyline does not matter. You're going from point A to point B and killing a bunch of stuff between here and there. And if you're you know if they do the job right it's going to be some cool looking monsters that make you you make you jump here and there you know and if you're lucky you'll get a you'll get a big cool gun to just you know blow them to pieces okay so obsidian for those who are unaware um, the fallout series I want to touch on that a little bit so uh, fallout was pretty big it was more of a cult Kind of following when it first came out with the first, you know, two Fallout's obviously. Then Fallout 3 came out. I didn't know about Fallout. I had no idea what it was about. And a friend of mine, another gamer uh, friend of mine, uh, Capitan Asian man. I've mentioned him a couple times in some of my videos. So I remember I forgot what game it was that I traded to him, but I had bought a different game, and then he bought Fallout 3. And then he was talking to me, and he was like, "I was trying to get me to buy Fallout Three from him. He had bought this box set because he had been following it for a while, so he bought it when it released. And he convinced me to to trade. God, I can't remember what game it was. It was a game that I had that I, I, I just wasn't sure about. You know, I didn't really, I wasn't really following it too much. I didn't I didn't get too deep into it. But he wanted to try it because, of course, he beat Fallout overnight. And he's a much more avid gamer than I am, um, and he doesn't sleep at all. But anyway, I digress." So I got Fallout off of him, and then Fallout 3, I loved it. It was amazing, and he compared it to uh, some game that I had. They said, well, dude, if you love this game so much, you're going to love Fallout, man. It's a lot like it, you know. So I liked it, and then we had uh, New Vegas come out. Now, the thing is with New Vegas is it was taken over by a new developer, a developer called Obsidian, and it was still Fallout at the core, but the content was different, the gameplay was different, you know, there was a lot more... A lot more things to do, you know, like reload, you're reloading benches on, you know, you reload your rounds, you customize your weapons, and there was just so much more to do. The storyline was different. Everything felt different. And that was what Obsidian did with Fallout New Vegas. And I enjoyed it. Um, when it first came out, it didn't have a very good, it wasn't received well, unfortunately. The storyline was, wasn't as, it wasn't as personable as uh, Fallout 3 was. You know, uh, where Fallout 3 was like, okay, I gotta find my father, and we're gonna go, you know, save the save the world, and yada yada yada. Whereas uh, now you have Fallout New Vegas, where it was, uh, you know, this this kind of Joe Pesci esque casino guy, you know, shot me in the face because I okay, I was finally I had to deliver this package, and I got bamboozled in the end. Now I gotta go hunt this guy down and. You know, you can either be a you can either be a good guy and help out the lowly citizens across the land as you make your way to New Vegas, or you can be a complete prick and just uh, throw all these other little small helpless towns over as you make your way to New Vegas and go there as some sadistic, you know, powerful, you know, no-holes-barred, who cares kind of guy. Who, frankly, at that point, if you're that kind of messed up in real life, you. It kind of sucks that that that, that shot in the face didn't do you in, right? Anyway, I digress. Obsidian showed up with a game called The Outer Worlds. Now, at this point, we're pretty much dealing with the gamer space race. We have a lot of games that are based on space travel, discovering new worlds, new species, and plants, and and all this stuff, right? Can't you see? The one game that I was hoping would do it for me, which at the time was, once again, uh, PlayStation exclusive, and I was an Xbox gamer for the most part, still am, I ain't gonna lie, was uh, No Man's Sky. Now, unfortunately, No Man's Sky, although with all the hype built up for it, um, it was disappointing and empty. Now, I can understand how easy it was to market a game like that because no one else was doing that right it was everybody else was doing you know the zombies right everybody was everybody was making these zombie games because you had the walking dead and you had all these these for some reason social media and pop culture was all about zombies for years there so of course it was easy to put out all these zombie games but then you had this you know you had this other company coming out and bringing no man's sky with a lot of promises and really all they had to say to make people excited about it was simply saying You're going to travel the galaxy and discover new worlds and scan and do this and that and this and that. And it was a beautiful looking game. You know, it was very visually pleasing. Um, And it still is. Obviously, it still is. So when they finally released it for the Xbox, and they released it for Xbox late last year um, with the next uh, update. So it was No Man's Sky Next. And then... Of course, I got it it the day it came out Because I was excited to try it And even though I heard these bad reviews And my friends were like, no, it sucks, don't worry about it Um, I was I I read up on it and the next update Was going to fix a lot of the problems A lot of the complaints that people had about No Man's Sky And I played it, it kept me Kept me interested for about a week Off and on, maybe two weeks And uh, then I got bored With it The one thing that kept me with it for so long was um, was like my friends. I was playing with my other friends online. Unf- unfortunately, the matchmaking services, the matchmaking, you know, uh, servers for No Man's Sky just sucked. And what's even worse is if you end up joining up with uh, like one of your buddies, you know, you would get automatically teleported to their their home planet, their you know, their system that they were in. And uh, what sucks about that is that the every galaxy that you could travel, that you can eventually get to in No Man's Sky, is gigantic, thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of light years. And if you didn't have, and here's what sucked, if you didn't have a teleporter set up at your own home base, if you went and hopped in your buddy's game, you were getting sent away forever and ever and ever like hundreds of thousands of light years away and good luck getting home without your teleporter um so i don't know how many random bases that i have built out there with my name on them that are just left barren because i went and joined a buddy's game and now i don't have obviously i can't i just can't get to it so i i had to start from scratch so many times they had a couple other updates come out where you had like buggies and different vehicles and stuff you can build but now they have another update coming out looking forward to that but anyway I'm getting off track here Obsidian brought out a game called the Outer Worlds Um, compared to No Man's Sky I'm, I'm taking this with a grain of salt so but with the Outer Worlds I am excited about it to a certain extent now Obsidian gave us New Vegas as we talked about before and okay New Vegas wasn't that well received but it had potential, and it you know it kept it, even to this day it kept a pretty good cult following. Um, as for the outer worlds, just think, New Vegas in space. You travel around, you know, you, you know you you, you know, to very you know, honestly the soundtrack and the musical score is is pretty good and fitting. It's exciting, uh, at least in the trailer that I saw. Um, And, uh, you know, the the main point of the game that I feel like is you're overthrowing some kind of big mafia-like corporation or, you know, where you have that one leader but like a bunch of henchmen under him. and you have, you know, little little factions here and about that are kind of trying to stop you but for the most part you're overthrowing some major corporation that is trying to take over the land and causes dictatorship. That's pretty much it and unfortunately, um, unfortunately the graphics they're still pretty much New Vegas. I know I really shouldn't say much about you know the visuals and the graphics in these games, but you look at you look at the generation of you know consoles that we're in right now and the things that are doing, and we have 4K gaming and and all stuff. It's 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 just kind of upsetting to see you know New Vegas style graphics and even even like Oblivion. I'm thinking like Oblivion and New Vegas, where it's like it's like that New Vegas kind of like you know, by today's standards, it's kind of a lazy, you know, kind of lazy design. With just, it's it's just a bit shinier and almost kind of almost kind of insulting to the eyes of how shiny it is. I I I wasn't a fan of Oblivion. A lot of people were. I I just really couldn't get into Oblivion. It was more. It was just the graphics that, that just got me. You know, it was they tried making it look seem better and new and more exciting by just making things reflect light a lot yes I couldn't I couldn't figure it out I couldn't I couldn't get used to it but you know in the end um, you know with the 4k gaming it's just not right to be so laxed on the level of graphics and and character design that that they seem to be doing with this one so I'm hoping they they do something with it Um, I mean at this point I'd say the jury's still out on this we can hope the gameplay will save it at the very least, we've come a long way not only in the graphics department, but in the gameplay department. And um, you know, they could definitely do something with the gameplay, and we can possibly forgive the graphics. Maybe if they add some some multiplayer, some co-op. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to kind of get into a, a legit solo RPG. Um, and yeah, that being said, even some of the online games, the, the, the art, the MMOs that are out there, like Black Desert Online, I got deep into that. Even that can still be a very solo game, but for some reason, just the fact that there's others around me, um, whether I'm whether I'm interacting with them or not. I don't know why it just feels like it just feels more involved. You know, I, I guess I can't think too much on the word. But that's and that's kind of what I'm hoping for right there. Uh, the Outer Worlds. When I first heard about it, I was excited about it. I remember telling I remember telling the group about it, um, and looking into it. But you know, the more I looked into it, I just kind of I'm just I'm trying. I'm just gonna keep an open mind about it, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, so moving on to uh, another one, another great uh, you know another great uh, release coming out is Dying Light 2. So you can, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can see some Dying Light videos uh, that I play with Kenty. He's actually, you know, Kenty Boro, he's actually the one who got me into the game. I'd never heard about it before, um, but it was, it was actually, it was pretty exciting. It was a nice surprise for me, actually. This first person action, you know, action-based, you know, it's still a zombie game. Um, it's, you know, imagine that, a zombie game, but it's, it was, it was different. Like, you know, I had this, this fun, like, it's kinda like, think of like Mirror's Edge. You know uh, mirror's edge was great good novelty feel to it for the first game they shouldn't have even try to release the second one but think mirror's edge but you still have guns and you're fighting zombies and you know we even got this there was an episode we shot where we actually got buggies that came out in the uh, um, there was one of the uh, the updates one of the expansions that came out and that was pretty exciting so I got a few videos on there so go check those out and let me know what you think and uh, also subscribe you know and comment and share with your friends anyway so uh, that was a little cheeky I'm not gonna lie Anyway, so if you haven't played the first Dying Light, you need to, because that'll definitely get you excited for Dying Light two. And me, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not big into the these kind of games like these action pack games. Like the, die, the, you know, the Left for Dead series were exciting when it came out, you know, and that was, that was, that was really cool. And those are still fun to play nowadays when you have your group of friends with you. But the, um, you know, the Dying Light is is, it's just a different. Feel it's just—I mean—it's a different game altogether. You, it's—it's not the -the run-of-the-mill zombie slasher game. You got to check it out. It's really exciting. It's really cool. But uh, you know, one of the things with uh, with *Dying Light 2* coming out, um, I'm—I'm hoping there's going to be multiplayer. You know, and even with Dying Light 1, it, the multiplayer really wasn't, like, legit multiplayer. It was, like, whereas, like, you, you're you both in the same world, it's like you just join your buddy's world. You still progress with your own storyline as far as, like, the main story missions go. But when you go back into your own game, you got to catch up on, like, those side missions and stuff that you didn't do. So, at the very least, it's fun to kind of, you know, kind of you know, play around and dork around with your friends but you're you got to keep in mind you're playing in their world, so all the progress you're making, all the changes that are happening, is happening in their world and not yours. Um, that being said, Dying Light Two, they're hoping uh, I mean they're promising to have more of a consequence uh, based choices, and <clears throat> I mean let's hope that's legit because I mean, there's a lot of games over the years that have made that promise. Let's look back on the Fable series. And uh, all the promises they made there, and how the whole world was supposed to change based on the choices you make in the game, and had all these features and content they were talking about, and they just they didn't deliver fully in the end. You know, there were some choice-based consequences, um, but nothing major that would still, you know, kind of affect the actual end result of the game. the The end of the game was still the same whether you were evil or good, right? So that being said their idea is to make the game so content heavy um that any playthrough that you do you'll only see about 50 percent of the actual content that's in the game that's actually available in the game so that's kind of exciting so maybe that'll add to some of the replayability uh let's hope it doesn't feel too concrete and linear and i mean it's 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 really easy to go wrong with that so um here's hoping Here's hoping, because Dying Light 1 was just the gameplay, just, just running around and that was fun. It was fun as it was. So, let's hope uh, Dying Light 2 will be just as fun, if not more fun. Okay, so Watch Dogs. That was a surprising... Um, that was a surprise that came out when the first Watch Dogs came out, and it was, it was exciting. Um, of course, the developer, just the playstyle the way the developer comes out with. Because uh, keep in mind, all, they also made like Just Cause and whatnot. Just the way the character moves, it was it was weird to get used to, especially since we're all we were all stuck on titles like Grand Theft Auto and, and things like that, where the you know just the way just the character movement was just different. We're all used to that. Um, so going into Watch Dogs, they uh, announced Watch Dogs Legion. And it's going to be obviously the next installment in the series. Um, what's different about this one, though, is there's no—it's it's, there's no like real main one protagonist, right? It's going to be uh, basically you recruit any virtually any NPC off the street. Um, it's set in the near future, uh, London. Uh, each NPC is going to have like their strength and weaknesses that will benefit your team. Um, A big thing about it, and this is a good selling point that comes out with uh, only a handful of recent games lately, is uh, Permadeath. So if you're recruiting these NPCs off the streets that are going to be, one's going to be better at like IT or or hacking, another would be better at like maybe fighting, or or another would be better at like driving or something like that. Um, But when that NPC that you recruited dies, they're gone forever, you know. And it might be like procedurally generated NPCs on the street. You know, you kind of like at random, their stats will just pop up, and be like, okay, cool, we need that guy. Oh, he's good at this. Oh, this guy, this guy's a good driver. So hey, we need him or whatever. But they'll just be kind of randomly popped up. I'm not sure how they're gonna do it. It's exciting though. But the idea of the game is to recruit this gigantic, large team in the name of DeadSec to overthrow the corporation or fight the resistance, as as it usually is. So it's basically just another step on a grander scale with each installment from the first second and now we're at Legion it's not even Watch Dogs 3 it's just Watch Dogs Legion um, so that's that's exciting that's kinda how they're gonna go about it there um, and that's the simple that's the simple You know, just to the point about Watch Dogs Legion so I'm looking forward to that as well um, I'm just let's just hope they can do a little bit more tweaking on just the kind of the the, the character controls and how just the character motions right Anyway, that's exciting. That's that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, definitely a, a good change, uh, change of pace with the uh, with the Watchdogs series, and um, we're definitely looking forward to that one. Okay, so the biggest part of this podcast, one thing I'm excited about. I remember when the One X came out. I pre-ordered it. I was the first one in town to get it. I was there at midnight picking it up. I still have the box that says one of this many reserved, and I have the very first Xbox One X in, in my area where I was at where I was at, at the time when I bought it. Unfortunately, that's the one that was stolen about, uh, well, two months ago now. Sucks. Anyway, moving forward. Xbox has, or Microsoft, I should say, has announced the uh, Project Scarlet. Which is going to be the next Xbox coming up? Keep in mind, Sony was not at the Sony. Sony wasn't at E3, so we don't know what to expect from the PS5. We know it's going to be intense. We know it's going to be amazing because look at their competitors. But the Project Scarlet Xbox is coming out. They're saying holiday season of 2020, so now's the time to start. You know, saving up your money. You know, get ready for the you know the pre-order announcement. Um, and at the same time, a few big key features that they've already talked about is going to be, um, you know, 8K resolution support. So start looking into those you know, those you know, the 8K resolution TVs. Yeah, uh, they're pretty expensive right now. You you, you obviously can get away with kind of like waiting a bit on that one. Um, another thing to kind of keep in mind is the uh, you know the project Scarlett is going to be it's going to support 120 frames per second. So finally that. PC Master Race—they could finally start, you know, putting a sock in it, right? And they're saying that the uh, the pro- project squad, the new Xbox coming out, um, is going to be four times as powerful as the One X was, which was, uh, which is asking a lot because I mean, the One X is already in a, an insanely powerful system and. Right now, as it stands, there's no games that really push the One X to its limits. So, it's insane to think what what they're going to do with, this, with, with the Project Scarlet to see what is really going to be available on that one. Because they haven't even reached the peak of the One X, so who knows where the Scarlet's going to go. And so that's exciting too. Another big thing about it is, uh, definitely for the older gamers who've been around since the original Xbox, who've been Really gaming since the original Xbox. Um, the title that was actually the the official release title, game title for the Project Scarlet is going to be Halo Infinite, and that was announced at E3 as well. So that being said, obviously looking into Halo Halo Infinite, um, I remember Halo. You want to talk about nostalgia? You want to talk about growing up and, and and really you know with your friends and you know land parties were a thing. We would all. Meet up at one one of our friends' house. We'd all bring our Xboxes. Um, you know, obviously, we'd have our you know our, our system link cords, and we'd connect onto the network or through through the LAN, and we'd all we'd all actually play Halo. So we'd have you know you have the 16-player lobbies over Halo. You know, each screen had their split screen. And uh, it was just exciting, we, I mean, we had one TV set up in the hallway with the Xbox, and another TV set up in one of the random bedrooms, you know, with a TV there and then an Xbox, and then I think at one point we, had, we only had up to like three Xboxes at any given time, but it was just exciting to kind of like show up and we actually made it a point to get these special carrying cases to make sure our Xboxes were safe as we carried them to our buddy's house. So, fast forward to now. Halo. The Halo series has had its ups and downs it's had its deviations, it's had its trials and tribulations and whatever they've tried a few things here and there uh, but thankfully as long as they stay focused on Master Chief now Halo Reach was good I enjoyed Halo Reach I really loved it because then you had the squad based gameplay tied in to one of the most my favorite series of all time obviously being Halo and Bungie has done an amazing job at hanging on and, and throwing us these you know, nice treats every now and then. But Halo Infinite, uh, I looked into it. Of course, Master Chief returns, and he's just as badass as ever. Um, it's uh, the idea is is following uh, the cliffhanger at the end of Halo Five. Now it's been a while since I played the story mode in Halo Five. It got frustrating because Halo Five was the squad-based, you know, four four people, kind of like how Halo Reach was, and the main campaign begged to have you know, three other people playing with you. Unfortunately, it was for at least in my experience, it was difficult to find people with microphones or people who would actually take it seriously chances are I was joining lobbies and joining these games with a bunch of 8 year olds with no microphones who just and that's the first day they picked up a controller right? So I didn't get to really enjoy the Halo 5 experience as it was meant to be enjoyed but I did get, I did play through the I did play through the the campaign. I, I mean, I could I could remember the gist of what the campaign was about. Um, basically, Master Chief knew he understood this this greater scheme of things, and it seemed like he was going rogue. And you were part of this team to try and chase him down and, and arrest him and apprehend him and all this mess. Um, but I do remember being upset and and just irritated and just blown away by this. Intense cliffhanger at the very end of the campaign for Halo 5. Luckily, this this is a sequel to Halo 5. This this explains the cliffhanger. This takes off where that cliffhanger left you at. Right. So the trailer is about five minutes long. And Master Chief, he's the only one who from Halo 5 is the only one who understood really what was going on in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and no one could understand it. So he just took it under his own hands him and his small little ragtag group you know he he was on a team of four and they were just kind of falling together so it opens up and he's deactivated um uh so but it, it, the scene has got this you know he's got this like ship engineer who seemed like his only job is to kind of just hang out and kind of watch over master chief's deactivated suit as he's just chilling there you know uh, the engineer was transporting him um something happens uh, they get an under attack and you know it's like oh you know the alarms are going off and doors are starting to get busted in so he starts freaking out um and of course he's you know so he goes in and activates master chief and of course as a last resort to kind of protect the ship and you know get master chief out of there and make sure everybody's safe and as they as they're trying to leave you know good old spartan 117 declines and then he beckons the engineer to get ready to fight instead um, you know, then of course, you know you have Master Chief. He's sitting. There. He kind of like looks over his weapons, makes sure everything's all all good to go. Turns his back to the camera, looks out over this battle of what looks like a like a destroyed Halo, and uh, and then just the music starts. And of course, that music just always gets your heart pumping. You just get exciting, ear to ear smile every time that 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 theme song just kicks in. And uh, that's that's all I know. So. Because it cuts out there at that point, but it's definitely Halo doesn't need an introduction. Halo, Halo is one of those series where you don't need a lot of context in, in a trailer or 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 a teaser to know that you're just gonna fucking love it. Like they have very simply put, it's just you just play that music and you just have a, it's just a video of Master Chief just walking in a circle and people will get excited about it. so that concludes it um just a quick recap of of uh, e3 2019 uh looking forward to e3 2020 at this point um it's kind of my goal it's where i want to go to e3 2020 next year and get some good content maybe make it a vlog and i'll have it on my channel and of course you know i'll you know have the podcast be following with it so uh that being said um 're able to you're able to support the channel uh, through donations also just simply listening to the channel is uh, listening to these podcasts is is already benefiting me um, you know share it like it, and subscribe it let me know what you think leave something in the comments um, I'm I'm always looking out there I'm looking forward to you know interviews uh, some spotlights for other youtubers content creators streamers on the mixer and twitch I've already got a few people interested here so we're looking forward to that. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode here if you have any comments or if you have any other opinions you want to throw at it or maybe something that i missed that maybe you you thought that you know i didn't go over or some of the things that i i wasn't able to fit into this episode then uh let me know in the comments you know le- um, and just uh yeah just just yeah just stay in touch and uh we'll uh we'll keep it going we'll uh, see you in the next episode here this is K-9 party thanks for listening in on the on the podcast and uh, we'll see you next time